Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm so glad you are tuning in today where we are bridging interior design, mental health, and parenting. I invited Anita Yokoda onto the podcast. She used to be a therapist turned interior designer, and she is the perfect person to talk about this, especially as a mom to three herself. She shares with us how mental health is intricately connected to our environment and how our environment can also impact our relationships. And she's offering tips and strategies for how we can get back into alignment with intention when it comes to our space, while also holding space for the season of life that we're in. We wrap up the episode tackling laundry. (laughs) I ask her my burning question of how the heck do I create a system in my home to support the never-ending laundry, which can be such a source of pain and distress for not only myself, but I know for so many families, especially once you have kids and all their laundry that you're dealing with. And she provides just really practical, supportive advice that also keeps in mind the busyness of our lives and putting our mental health at the forefront. So I am really excited for you to get to meet Anita. So let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Anita, thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited to dive in to our topic. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I am just so passionate about sharing my home therapy ideas with you and with your audience. It's going to be amazing. Okay, so I hadn't shared this with you yet. I wanted to wait till we were till we hit record, but you are living my like my next life life. Like I I swear if I was not a therapist, I would have gone into interior design, I think. And the fact that you are a therapist who went into interior design and you're bridging these two, like, I don't know, in 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 an alt- <laughs> in a different universe or in my next life, or who knows, maybe in another season of this life. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I love, I love the work that you're doing. And there just there really is such a beautiful connection between our mental health, our relationships, and our environment. And I just I can't wait to learn more from you about how you've bridged these two worlds together. 
Well, you know, as a therapist um, who practiced for 20 years, it was, you know, a journey to help clients make sense of their story. And mm. now as an interior designer, I help them tell it, oh, you know, and, and it's just um, a wonderful, incredible feeling. As therapists, you know very much that we're empaths. We're very, um, in a positive sense, sensitive to other people's needs. And when I had my third child, I still wanted to give back to others, to give back to my community. But I also had, you know, a good sense of boundaries that my emotional plate was full. Mm. So going back to the office and seeing 25, 30 clients a week was, um, it didn't feel like an option for me. And I've always was that go-to friend, you know, where's the best home goods? (laughs) What color (laughs) paint should I paint this room? And my sister, um, she's my best art director and cheerleader. She said, why don't you just start an Instagram account? And I'm like, are you kidding? No one's <laughs> going to see me. No way. And But I slowly but surely taught myself social media in the midst of, at that time, Natalie was um, just about to be a toddler. I had a two um, other you know, older kids in elementary school and still doing the room mom thing, the PTA mm-hmm. thing. Like, it was crazy. But when you're excited about something and you're passionate, you know, that it, it, it becomes easier. Mm, yeah. I mean, it really sounds like this interior design was like your unicorn space. I had Eve Rotsky on the podcast in um, the most recent episode, and so it's just fresh in my mind. And her book, is, her book Unicorn Space, is amazing. And it sounds like it was your unicorn space that you continued to nurture as something that was important for you to continue to have as a part of your life. And so when when we're able to identify what those what that what that what those things are, right? Um, and then Absolutely. work through some of the mental blocks that can get in the way of us nurturing that space for ourselves, then then we can then we create it, right? We we make the time, we find the time. Um, and it might not be exactly how we would have imagined it looked before kids, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you were to see this area and then where I'm front facing, you know, there's always, I live in a cookie cutter home. So this is the kitchen and the squished family room where we have our playpen and the swing and the, and the, and the, and the throw up of toys, you know, And, and of course the living space is sectional that we didn't care to get, you know, baby spit on. And, um, that was our life for, for, you know, a decade or, you know, like 10, 11 years was, that was our life. And I had to learn because I was so aesthetically, aesthetics, um, I just loved aesthetics. I had to learn how to modify our uh, season of life. And, um, and I loved helping clients do that too, mm. and not have that all or nothing thinking. And, and, you know, all those cognitive distortions that we experience um, that gets played out in, in our mm. home and in our relationships. Um, I had a, it was a journey for me. So it's it, how I help others. And I'm sure the same for you is, is through our own workings through, mm. you know, and having that clarity. And can I show you actually what's behind my yeah. camera? <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> Look at that. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, that's what's hey. behind my camera. And you know yeah. what? Is like I think for forever I thought that like 
I, I really did. I mean, I have a, I have a, me and anxiety have a, a long-term relationship with each other and perfectionism. And, yes. you know, I think that some of the whispers and, and misinformation and lies sometimes that, you know, anxiety, <clears throat> perfectionism, which then would sometimes, you know, creep into shame and guilt would, would whisper to me is that everything has to be put together and clean and cleared off in order for your life to start, right? And so if my house was a mess, it felt like I felt like I was a mess inside. And so obviously the person who's listening on the podcast didn't see what I just showed Anita, but it's right behind me is just piles of, or right, right in front of me, I should say, it's just piles of laundry, you know, and they're folded right now. But that's just because that was like, I did that this morning and that felt like enough, you know, it's like I could put it away, but I also just knew I needed like a little margin before hopping into my work day and Mm -hmm. it's folded and it's still in front of me, but that's, it's enough. Right. And I don't know. So uh, I I love the word enough or good enough, because Mm -hmm. as you know, Winnicott, um, you know, when I went to graduate school, there's so many different modalities and, and, and ideas of, of therapy. And one of the ideas that really stuck with me, especially being a mom was Winnicott's um, idea of good enough mothering. Mm. And I've taken it to the point where it's good enough mothering for ourselves. And Mm. how do we nurture ourselves in our home space? Because Mm. after the pandemic, we starkly learned that our homes, like are pretty important. It's a pretty important space. Yeah. I think prior to the pandemic, we were so busy in and out. It was kind of a drop zone. It's a place where we slept, but really our life was a lot about activities outside the home. Yes. And then during the pandemic, we were like, oh. like, what are we doing here? And we could see all the things that were broken and mm-hmm. wrong um, that weren't working for us, both mm-hmm. externally and internally. Yeah. So I feel very um, strongly that we can find a different narrative, a different lens paradigm shift into good enough mothering Mm -hmm. for, um, ourselves first. Right. And then with our relationship with our home. So exactly what you're saying, it's like, Hey, I got the folding done. That's pretty (laughs) good. Cause, um, hello, I'm a podcast host and I'm having someone on at nine o'clock. So that, that to me is an amazing win. Um, I can totally relate to the perfectionism and the anxieties that come with that. Um, you know, again, the the it's it's something that's so easy to absorb because um, I think as females we have to manage so many multitasks, and we all have this like pressure, right, to want to be at a certain. We all have different ideas of success, but there's like this level and um, that good enough mothering comes in to, for me, you know, self-talking of a lot is, is Mm. this is good enough, you know, for now. Um, Then that kind of helps you dissipate the anxiety a little bit in the moment. Mm. You know, I think that if my husband was listening to our conversation right now, he'd be giving me some eyes like, "Mm, are you listening? Are you hearing this? Because (laughs) when it comes to the home, you know, and I really do think that you're right. I think that I think that our home environment was always important, right? Like, but I think that the pandemic really pushed us to 
obviously be in our homes for a lot of time. And, and also, like you said, seeing like, you know, what's broken or what needs to be fixed or changed. But I also think that it was a time where we began to really talk more about overstimulation or sensory overload. Mm-hmm. And our home environment within it carries a lot of things that we experience with our senses, right? And so I don't think it's a coincidence that you started hearing a lot more folks talk about things like sensory overload and overstimulation as a parent, like, you know, during the pandemic, when we were all home all together. And I think that sometimes one of the ways that I try to reclaim control when I find myself feeling overstimulated is by controlling my environment. And and, that it, and not always in a productive way. I think there's productive ways, but sometimes there's not productive ways, right? So the not productive ways for me sometimes looks like, right, like trying to keep things organized and clean all the time, you know, even though I live <laughs> with three children and two dogs. And two dogs. Don't <laughs> yeah. forget them. <laughs> and a husband, right? Like, um, and or like wanting to buy something, right? Like spend money on something that's going to like quote unquote fix the problem or something needs to be updated, right? And mm-hmm. like we're always trying to shift or change things and and not in a way that's driven by like value, right? Like my values um, are informed by values, right? But more of that like buzzy, anxious, like, (laughs) or ragey, kind of like rage cleaning slash like buzzy. We need something new. Like this needs to be fixed. I need all of the mugs to be uniform because that will fix everything else that's going on in my mind. And, and then it doesn't. And then it just feels like, oh, the cycle continues, right? Of like looking for the next thing to control I don't know. Can you can you relate to this? Can you speak Ab- to this? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and that that goes into so much of my client work when we're doing renovations or restyling a space that ha- isn't working for them. Um, there's there's it, it's it's that anxiety of like we just got to fix it. And and as you know, as a therapist, clients come into our office and it's like fix it mode. It's that it's that fix it mentality. And our job as therapists, and now my job as interior designer, is really to highlight what your, you know, kind of take a few steps back and say, but wait a minute, what's my intention? Um, what's mm-hmm. my, uh, I know there's a lot of people finding your why. For me, I call it finding your core desire in that home space. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at the mugs and you want them all aligned, you know, perfect <laughs> assuage your anxiety, it's like, okay, so. Um, let me just take a few steps back. So for mm-hmm. this space, I obviously am having some kind of anxiety of wanting something to be fixed, you know, and if it's your kitchen, maybe it's your anxiety of like feeling like you're not a good enough mom. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like, oh, every day, I just don't feel like I'm feeding my kids the healthiest meals. Um, I know for me, a busy working mom going through the drive through the Chick-fil-A, my third love, she's like a Chick-fil-A girl, you know, and it's like, how do I reduce my drive through time <laughs> and cook more healthy foods in the kitchen? That was my mom guilt. And so it's really taking a few steps back and saying, okay, so my intention actually is wanting, I, I want to be a health, you know, I want to provide my kids healthier food. I want to be a healthier mom meal prepping. So okay, if I want to organize the pantry or the open shelving 
in a certain manner or, or I just hate that mismatched mug look, Ugh. you know, like, um, what are my intentions? And then that refocuses. Yeah. So instead of like, I can't feel this way, or I'm not supposed to, or I shouldn't, or I'm bad feeling this way, mm. just shifting it to, okay, what's really going on here, you know, and uh, what's an intention I want to what's my intention for this space? And you could, you completely start abandoning the coulds, woulds, shoulds. And and you, you know, it's like distracting a three-year-old child. It's like, okay, temper tantrum over. Let's go like do something more productive. Mm. And so finding your intention in that space and really envisioning what the relationships, how you want the relationships to flourish in that space is a lot more, productive. We're working smarter rather than harder, right? Because we work really hard on buying those Ikea bins, um, (laughs) going to the container store and having that system. If I have that system, it's going to solve everything. Mm. Um, Okay. Yes. I totally believe in, in, you know, closet systems. The Alpha system, (laughs) in my opinion, is the most amazing. I, it it moves and grows with whomever uh, owns that closet. So all for it. But what's your intention for this space? Is it so that I can flourish? Um, you know, personally, what's my, what are my intentions? What are my internal motivations? And as we clarify our internal motivations of that home space, mm. externally, all those other things, the paint color, the furniture flow, the, you know, do I do open shelving versus upper cabinets in the kitchen, you know, all those other external answers fall into place. Mm. It's so interesting as you were talking, I was reflecting on, okay, when was, what was the most recent time where I opened our kitchen cabinet and saw all (laughs) mismatched mugs and found myself feeling like, ugh, I don't like it. It's got to change. And actually, I think that it was most recently when my oldest came in the kitchen and she's like, mom, my throat's hurting. And like, there was like that initial, like, oh gosh, like <laughs> it's, it's happening again. Like yes. we're all going to get sick. Right. It's just been yes. a crazy sick season. Mm-hmm. And I opened like, you know, and she was like, is there anything that I can have for my throat? And I opened the cabinet and I think I was feeling anxious about the illness and there was all and there was also this like desire for me to be the mom who when my child is sick can like slow down and be present with them and you know has this like little ritual of like some special drink that they drink whenever they're sick and like and like this sort of idealized version of <clears throat> a mom when their children are sick and coupled that with some anxiety so there was like pressure and like a little bit of shame because I don't know if I am that mom, right? And maybe there's something yeah. wrong with me. <laughs> like, right, right. Um, anxiety. I open the cabinet and I just see all these different colors like staring back at me. And I think that actually the desire to have uniformity, right, and control, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know if that is the thing that is most important to me, but it is actually more important for me to have space right? Right. Um, Where there might just be some more like um, margins for me to slow down, but also like less options. So it's less like overwhelm. And like when I say like a ritual, I mean like, gosh, it could literally just be like 
chamomile tea with honey, right? It doesn't need to be like anything, right? right? Like big Super or fancy. special. Yes. Um, it yes. could be hot chocolate, right? With marshmallows, right? That's like comes from a box, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Hot chocolate in a box. Um, hot chocolate conversations have come up on this podcast a few times. If you're listening and this conversation that I'm having right now <laughs> resonates with you, go and listen to the episode, Am I Screwing Up My Kids? Because we kind of touch on all these pieces. But you know, it's like, it's actually not about the uniformity of the mugs. I don't need to go and spend gosh knows how much on like brand new mugs and get rid of all these mugs, some of which actually are meaningful to me, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's actually maybe getting rid of some that don't need to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it, it's creating like a more simple, like simplicity, I think is maybe the guiding value, simplicity and presence. And that Absolutely. doesn't necessarily mean I need to go buy new mugs. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I, I mean, you. If people can't see it, but my, I did a very big design risk, and my whole front-facing wall in the kitchen, I took out all the upper cabinets because yeah. when we were remodeling, yeah. I opened up the cabinets, and just like you, there were so many on the upper two levels of the cabinets there it was just like storage space for dusty old things that we never ever used or touched and literally those are the cups and mugs that you can see Um, obviously other people can't right now but those are the plates and cups that are very limited in quantity but we use every day because that's literally it (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we're proof that as a busy uh, family with uh, three kids that you can live with more um, open shelving and a minimalistic <laughs> mindset. Mm-hmm. Now there's days like there's going to be like say sippy cups and things when my kids are younger, it was not aesthetically pleasing, but it was easy <laughs> to grab yeah. and visually easy to have. So, you know, there's always going to be some giving and taking Mm. Um, but I have an idea for you. I don't know if you're open to it. (laughs) Um, So in my book, I talk about intention trays and these are mm -hmm. trays that not only help you, uh, become more functional, but it also gives you a pause moment to really think about what's my next step. Instead of letting the anxiety overwhelm you, it gives you that moment. It's a, it's a tool to slow you down. So these intention trays for the kitchen, I've helped people um, slow down about grabbing for those potato chips at 3 p.m., you know, your kids' snacks. And if they have a nutritional goal, we have a tray already on the countertop that has a healthy snack and maybe a journal for just writing down some feelings, maybe using some aromatherapy instead to incite Mm. your olfactory system. But for your kids, when they get sick, I wonder if it might reduce your anxiety to have an intention tray for when someone's sick. Mm. And so you can have like Mm. a mug with your hot chocolate packet and um, maybe something fun, like a fun book that maybe would invite you and your child to quickly read or, um, you know, making that tray custom to you of how you want that moment to slow down Mm. and, and soothe them. And again, really easy, simple items in the tray and just have it ready. So when the next kid (laughs) comes up to you and is like, ah, that's our throat, um, (laughs) it's ready to go. And that alleviates your guilt of like, because as moms, 
yeah. the biggest thing is, and I'm still learning this, is <laughs> pre-planning, pre-planning, pre-planning. And actually, I really believe the key to success is pre-planning. And so in my um, work with my design clients, we talk a lot about how do we set ourselves up for success for to, to elevate our relationships in our home. Um, through interior design. So this is one way I think maybe you want to try is have a pretty tray, have your, you know, all the things you want to soothe your kids externally, Mm. whether it's vitamins or tea or hot chocolate, and then add something that's relational. So maybe their favorite book Mm. or uh, just a quick game of Uno, you know, like something to remind yourself, okay, they're not feeling good. My goal is to slow down and care for them. Let's try Mm. this. We mm-hmm. all need visual cues, right? Like in our minds, we we have the best intentions. <laughs> but let's use some interior design tools to remind us to slow down. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. love that okay so the first the, the first thought that came to my mind was like where does the tray go <laughs> you know like so where do you keep your trays your so intent- you know um in the there's always a dead space in the corner that we put like a fruit basket or you know those corners <laughs> yes. that are just ugly and dead corners and you never know what to do with them you try to put like a vase like whatever um, those are the best places for mm. intention trays because they just sit there until yeah. you need that that space mm. or that tool. So that's my recommendation. I I totally have, I know the corner. It actually is a corner that drives me crazy. And I think that if I filled it with intention, (laughs) I think that that would help bring some light to that corner. Okay. Yeah. And maybe even like aromatherapy diffuser so that Mm -hmm. you can just like, so even if someone's not sick, but it's still your little healing corner, you know? Oh, I really love this. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Let me keep keep me posted. I'd love to see how it goes. I will. Okay. So well now now I'm just like, wait, I need I need more more of these tips (laughs) from you. Okay. So as a as a busy parent, right? When it comes to and you know, I know that you have older children. And, and I have, I have two who are getting older, but I also have a toddler and I think a lot of the listeners have younger kids. Um, but you know, with the mindset of like, things will shift and change as they, as they get older Yes. as a parent, as a busy parent to young children, what are some, what are some of the like go-to tips you have when it comes to like functionality, but also like mental health and with like design in mind, you know, because absolutely, I think that design and aesthetic and beauty, like 
these these are things that I I personally really do value. And I think I felt some shame around it for a while. Like I think as a therapist, I, there was some ideas I had that like aesthetics shouldn't be something that you value. And and then I found actually that it, it, it has supported me connecting with my ideal client when I allow that part of myself to show up in my marketing and branding and my website. Mm-hmm. Because I think that my ideal client also values aesthetic and it doesn't have to be this just surface level, like wow. we're ignoring all the, you know, things that are underneath, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So actually, I mean, let me rephrase the question. I actually okay. just want to touch that on first. Okay. Like why, why are, why is aesthetic and design and beauty a meaningful thing to allow ourselves to connect with as busy parents? Let's start there. Okay. So as busy parents, I, that the season of having, you know, I remember when I had my third child, she was obviously a newborn and my middle child was five and my oldest was seven. I mean, I was in the thick of it. We were in the throes of it. And I I don't want to use the word traumatized, but it's like (laughs) such a strong season that I will never, never forget those feelings. So I have so much to share with your audience. Um, First of all, the reason why I think aesthetics is can be instead of having it be a a, a value like a, a, a character value, a personal value, I really would love to help people kind of change and shift the narrative to, you know, aesthetics can be our home therapy tool. You know, mm. start seeing colors as a tool. Start mm. seeing baskets and shelves as a tool. So our homes really is the most intimate space that we live in. Our, the, the good, bad, and the ugly, it all shows up here. Yeah. So um, I think aesthetics are important because what better way to calm ourselves down? What better mm-hmm. way to encourage confidence and empowerment? You know, having your, a, a dedicated drawer for your three-year-old to know like, okay, go pick up your sippy cup yourself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and empowering them in very small ways to feel independent and and strong like those are but having the organization system like in your drawers to support (laughs) Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. that's not bad right Mm -hmm. or if you feel like painting this room and the next day you not next day that would be pretty crazy but like after a year you feel like you know what I'm really feeling another color vibe for my family room like I really want us to play. This is our playroom. We don't have any other space to play. Um, and like a can of paint. And yes, it. if you don't want to hire a painter and you're on a budget, it will take some muscle work on your part. But mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the emotional investment in our home. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the first step, I think, is encouraging you to cast away all the like perfectionist look like it has to look like what HGTV or Arch Digest, you know, we have such lofty ideas for ourselves, which in our homes, which is not bad. So really cast away the good and the bad, but really more of like, what's helpful? Mm -hmm. Um, What's helpful to me, my relationship with my partner in the bedroom? Like, how do we make Mm -hmm. that space I remember I had an interior designer come to my house when I was, um, I think I was pregnant. I was nesting mode with my third Mm -hmm. and she was an older um, woman and she said to me, she goes, you know, Anita, (laughs) 
she looked at my mess or our primary bedroom and there was the baby swing, the second one, right? You always have the secondary baby swing <laughs> yeah. somewhere in, in that, that's, that's totable in the bathroom. You, you always yes. needed that one. So, so that, that you there can was, plug it into the bathrooms while yes. you're taking the shower. That, yeah. I yes. <laughs> so we had the secondary mobile one in my bedroom and we had, um, we can do laundry, which has never had the habit to put it away. So tons of clean laundry on the floor. I mean, this was a, another kid's zone. And she's like, I really encourage you to make your bedroom just for you and your partner. Mm. And I just thought, I- I'm pregnant with my third. Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> but, you know, it was a mindset. After a while, I'm like, okay, that was really good advice. Because honestly, do we really need all this kid stuff in here all the time? Like, is this mm. the drop zone for our kids stuff? And in my own time, I learned to edit out, you know, it wasn't like one Mm -hmm. foul swoop, but I, I, in time I edited out this or that. And and we decided a different kind of laundry, you know, protocol workflow for our home. (laughs) And I really made it a point to set that boundary of, okay, mom and dad's room is not another kid drop zone. This is like a disaster. So um, really just thinking of ways to, not have it black and white thinking, but Mm. like, okay, aesthetics is, you know, is something that can help me instead of like, it's just a pretty or utilitarian kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, uh, a friend of mine, Carrie Locker, she had, she talks a lot about having like in the postpartum period, um, a little like traveling, like baby basket, right. That like um, they're like little shelves and there's on wheels and you can like wheel them from room to room sort of as needed. And I loved that idea because mm-hmm. yeah, if you have a newborn and the newborn is sleeping in your, you know, in the primary bedroom with you and there's a lot of stuff that like you might need in the middle of the night, but then maybe during the day, like you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want it in there. Right. And, and, or you don't need it in there. Right. So it can kind of travel with you. So I love the idea of, reframing aesthetics as not just something that's about like surface level connection, but actually a a deeper, more meaningful tool that we can utilize in our homes and in our, within our relationships and in building connection. Because I actually do believe that once I freed myself up from the mindset block that like I couldn't, I couldn't care about aesthetics in, as like a therapist, once I let unhooked myself from that and I brought my like the spirit of an aesthetic that I really connect to into my like I said branding and into my marketing and into my business my ideal clients began to find me easier <laughs> or connect yeah, with me more quickly. absolutely it it sort of supported building this really intentional bridge that somebody came and was like you know would see and would be like oh gosh this makes my eyes happy. <laughs> like I want yes. to come and connect and learn more, right? Like yes. and then and then once they make that connection then that's where we can go so much deeper, right? Because now we're connected. Um but it's it's so it's 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 inter- it's it's permission to say what makes my eyes <laughs> feel um good, peace, connected. Mm-hmm. Um that that's not a it's not a bad thing, right? Like we can we can attune to what that is and maybe why and 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 yes, look closer to understanding why something feels 
um, from like a sensory visual perspective feels feel something and makes us feel something inside, right? Like we can we can dig a little bit deeper and um, and it might not be the first like you know for me it's like oh all the colors of the mugs are bothering me and like you said earlier we can still dive a little bit deeper and try to understand more of take a pause, take a step back, really what's going on here. And what that led to for you and I was not just, I need to buy, I need to get rid of all those mugs, buy brand new ones that are all uniform, but it was more like, I'm going to get rid of some, I think, and maybe create like an intention tray, you know? So, and, and that's still speaking to aesthetic, but in a way that is not driven by some outside force that's saying, this is what you need in order to be happy or good enough or et cetera. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. It, um, like you said, the reframing makes such a difference. So just being mindful of that and just starting to practice that throughout your house. I, I often tell my design clients, you know, you're the detective mm-hmm. and you're the, uh, you're, you just observe like which spaces make you feel certain emotions um, I go through an intake form, much like the first intake form we give their uh, clients in our therapy room. And we kind of just go through their answers on the intake form and no judgment. You know, it's really mm-hmm. about no judgment. Um, I think we, as young moms, especially because the territory is so new, you know, it's like we've never had to take care of so many people in our lives. It, there's just a lot of emotional pressure to, um, hit the mark, um, on every Mm. aspect. And, um, it's really just allowing yourself not to judge yourself and kind of just be present. And that's Mm. just always so much easier, um, said than done. And I think it's, you're so right here that like, you know, whenever we enter a new space, such as motherhood, it's really natural for our brain to look around to see, gosh, how are others doing this? Because, you know, this feels overwhelming and like not not I know for me and I know for so many others like not something I really felt prepared for and a lot of times when we look outside of us what do we have access to right now social media right like so we, much and we just see well what what they're sharing is just like this curated capture of their life but yes it looks like their home is put together and it looks like this thing on the outside. And so I guess that's what I need to have in order for me to feel like I'm doing this right, you know? And I think that, you know, what I hear you saying is that what, what you what, what you support your clients with, and it sounds like what you also support the readers of your book in doing is um, beginning to look at their environment in a new light, right? Where it's it's not about what the society, what society and what the outside world says it's supposed to look like in order for you to feel like um, a good enough mom or like you're quote unquote doing this right, but really coming into like looking within your own experience <clears throat> in the home and what you're wanting. Um, what you're feeling and how those feelings can offer data about what we want to prioritize um, and also what your intentions are. I've heard you speak a lot about intention and and, and I think value is threaded in there as well. Yes. Um, you know, one of the first questions design clients asked me, but also therapy clients. And then even myself, when I was, the, you know, with my firstborn, the, the common question is what's the latest like 
health trend or design mm. trend <laughs> or like a parenting trend, right? And uh, this is just a very short example. It's got nothing to do with design, but I remember as a first-time mom, I was still working. And so I asked a lot of my coworkers, um, especially about breastfeeding and things. And I had this constant worry about not having enough milk because my mom didn't have mm. enough milk for me and my sister. So that was just a very, like, that was anxiety producing. And after I had my firstborn, looking back, it was totally normal. Like when they're newborn, like they only need this, you know, I think they mm. said a walnut, like they're, it was just so little, but mm. I had asked um, my coworkers who were like, their kids were like in junior high or like call, like they, you know, our memories fade, right? So they would tell me things or certain um, friends would say, oh, I'm so over, I, I'm in, in goal, you know, what, what's that word? I'm Engorged. so sorry. Engorged yeah. with <laughs> so much milk. And so there, it's very easy to go, oh, oh, I don't have enough milk because so-and-so yeah. is like this or that mom said that. And I was just the, I was so stressed. I was a, just stress mess, you know, like I was, I was a mess. And thinking back with my second child, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was actually totally normal, you know? So I learned with my second and then with your third that it's good to get information. It's good to mm -hmm. educate ourselves, but there's a point where we may be ask too many people questions or we ask maybe not the right person um that at least for me I learned to ask to be more picky about who I ask certain questions yeah. um and then also be pickier about what websites or um social media accounts I go on um yeah. because it just becomes too overwhelming yeah yeah. So that was one thing I learned uh, the hard way. I'm like, oh, I beat myself up for like nothing, you know? I think that, you know, we all, we spend so much time looking outside of ourselves for the answer. Yes. And I think that there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, in a prior podcast episode, um, it's called Perfectionism and Mom Intuition. Um, we kind of speak to that about how just I think a lot of our upbringings, right, and some of, some of the parenting strategies from our parents' generation's time and also like our academic system and just other systems around us, a lot of messaging that the things that we are feeling inside aren't real and that there are these other people or things outside of us in maybe positions of power that they have the answer. And so we just – we're used to looking outside of ourselves for the answer, right? Yes. Um, and so one thing that I really want to encourage your listeners to is just finding ways, whether it's um, aesthetics or anything, your podcast, you know, anything is learning to trust ourselves more, that we have a lot more answers for ourselves than we think <laughs> if we just allow ourselves to be present and um, not judge ourselves. I think a lot of the times we already have the answer to our, mm. to our, like, to our question that we feel like is impossible. You know, it's like, it, mm. like you, you always have that nagging, why does my kid do this? Or why, why do I always react this way when my, when, when my kid says that, or, you know, and, and I think we, so often we, if we just trust ourselves, we, we can find the way um, instead of constantly looking for that external advisor or or yes. or information to, to answer yeah. it for us it can be really hard though to like 
begin to tone the muscle of yes. turning inward and, and, and amplifying it's, that voice. It's an ongoing process. Um, yes. I don't know if it will ever, ever be done. And that's why the good enough mm. mothering comes into play because I don't think we'll ever be done with evolving, right? Yeah. And so instead of feeling down about it, um, learning to celebrate the small wins like your folded laundry that you see in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for me, it's the, um, you know, the, the juggling of oh, this, you know, that I have so many, I call them buckets, you know, I've got this bucket, that bucket. And it's just like learning to en- embrace the process, which we hear a lot. It's, you know, it's a cliche, but really like in your own way, not judging yourself and, and, mm. and just saying, Hey, this is good enough for 9.45 on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Let's, I'd love to, with the last couple of minutes that we have, um, you had mentioned, and, and in light of everything you just shared, right? And I, I know that right now what I'm doing is like then coming to you, the expert, like tell me what I'm supposed to do. But I, I want us to keep in mind everything you just said, which is the that pull to feel like someone else has the answer. I need a system. And yeah, systems are, systems are great, right? Yes. And, and tapping into our own intuition, let's, let's tackle laundry for just the last couple of minutes. Amazing. You also mentioned earlier, like laundry systems that work for your family. And like the minute you said that, I was like, I need to know, I need to know more about that because it's, that's like one of those things similar to like dishes that is just a constant, right? Like you complete the project and there's going to be more, there's already more piling up for the next day or the next time, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's never ending process. And I think that can be hard in general for, um, for me, it can be for sure. Yes. Um, and so I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on just like, let's just, let's just tackle laundry for okay. the last couple of minutes here. Like, what do you, what do you have to say about this? Okay. So I have learned, I mean, this is like, geez, you know, I don't, I, I, I can't even think how many years, but I've always been the laundry leader, the person who does the laundry. <laughs> laundry leader, yeah. And so it was pretty easy when it was me and my husband. But again, my, my, my pain point was the, I can even get to the folding, but it's, it was the putting the away. It was like, mm-hmm. for, it was just something that I, I just, maybe I found a reason to not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once the kids came one, two, and three, it was a disaster. Like it was <laughs> one huge pile and we ended up just going to my bedroom floor to get clean clothes, like all five of us. I mean, it reached a point where like, this is enough. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you as the answer to my stage of life right now, where I have older kids, but I I do have a modified version for um, moms and caretakers who have younger kids. So what I learned that is so important is just, and I used to mix all our laundry, whatever needed to be washed first into one big load Mm -hmm. and then we'd, you know, wash and dry it. And then I take it upstairs, dump it to wherever I usually dump. Mm -hmm. And then it was so overwhelming emotionally because there's literally at least three people's laundry in there to sort. So to me, for me, the sorting was what really, Mm -hmm. it just overwhelmed me. I'm like, ah, just throw my arms up. Mm -hmm. So I just separated and I just decided I need to separate by person. Yeah. 
And um, so I know people might, I don't know what kind of reaction the audience is going to get, but I'm like, hey, for the people who are old enough to do their laundry, they're going to do their laundry, including my partner, you know, and, you know, I, so, so Travis does his own laundry and he puts things away. Um, Emily and Rachel, who are older in their teens, they do that. And then Natalie, she's starting to load the laundry. She can dry it, but um, we just combine our loads yeah, um, for time's sake. And so that has been a true game changer because for me, emotionally, I'm not looking at five peoples anymore. I'm only looking at one or two. So my tactic, maybe it might not be something revolutionary, but it's an emotional tool that I think helps the the people who do multiple loads of laundry every day is just separate it by person. Um, And and for those who are old enough in the house, have them do it. Mm -hmm. And then for those that aren't, um, if you want to even separate by kids, because maybe there's a newborn Mm -hmm. and then there's a preschooler. And even that is overwhelming because it doesn't sound overwhelming, but when you're so tired as a mom, um, mm. these little things matter. Yeah. So I think categorizing and doing separate loads, our washing machine is, I, I think for the most part, all our washing machines have that function of the saving water, saving energy mm-hmm. mode. So, cause that one concern, I was like, are we like wasting water mm-hmm. energy more? But, mm-hmm. but I checked it out and we, and you're not, um, especially if you're, you know, you just make sure you're washing and dryer yeah. machines have that energy mode or the saving water mode. And it's just working smarter, not harder. I love um, it. And what I think is so helpful here is is also piecing what what our prior conversation was. Is you look to see what is the, what is a part of this process that feels the most overwhelming, right? Like, yeah. And I think that like then the response to that can be a variety of creative options, right? Like mm-hmm. potentially for somebody, it might be you know I've been carrying this card of laundry leader. And on my own, and I actually think that this is a card that I want to share with somebody, right? So, like for instance, in our home, my husband um, load like does like loads all the laundry, does the wash and the drying, and then he brings it to our pile, and then I do the folding. And because our children are a little bit younger, I think our eleven year old could probably start. Yes, um, hear, hearing you say that just like sparked the you know I think that they she can they can. one thousand percent yeah. yes. Um, I tried it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Um, and you know, and then I think for our eight-year-old and almost three-year-old, I mean, the three-year-old, I mean, I'd still be helping her, but I think she'd actually enjoy it probably more than the eight-year-old. Um, is they can put the their pile away. You know, yes. like so. Yes. I mean, I love that you're you're really looking to see what's the part that feels like it's triggering or it's, it feels yes. like you're, you're, the, you're carrying this alone or it's not yes. working. And then taking a pause, a setback um, where we can then I- embrace more of the like, okay, what are some creative problems solving here? And even that doesn't have to be a card that you carry, just re- resolving this. Maybe it's a, you know, okay, we're going to have a state of the union meeting between me and my partner mm-hmm. where I, where, where we, solve problem solve this together so that I don't have to just be the one that's trying to resolve this. 100% correct. Um, cause exactly. That was my pain point was the, the, the sorting for someone else. It might be getting to the laundry part, you know, or the middle, mm-hmm. like any part of the process, 
it's really looking at what is my, what is going, you know, what is deterring me from completing this task and, um, and, and then separating the task and your emotions and then identifying and delegating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. our families evolve, you know, like this couldn't have happened. I, my answer is an answer for our developmental stage in life as a family and as individuals now. But um, in the past, I would probably, looking back, I would have had my husband do his laundry. So at least that takes yeah. the, that emotional part off for me. And then I could have found a different way with the three kids and myself, you know. So it's really identifying, delegating in, a, in what's realistic for your lifestyle. But there's mm-hmm. always, as therapists, we always tell our clients, you know, there's always more than one option or solution on the table. Because again, we fall into that all or nothing cognitive distortion and, um, you know, it's yeah. like, what, what are the other options? It, they may not be perfect. That's the thing that we really need to embrace is <laughs> nothing's going to look, you know, nothing's going to completely make us feel like the magic bullet, like, oh, I'm free. <laughs> like, it's, it's not going to happen, but what's going to um, alleviate some of that mm. emotional burden? And, you know, you keep talking about this sort of like cognitive distortion of like, you know, when it just feels like our options are very like, and again, it's kind of like a life or death options scenario. And that actually makes so much sense that when our stress response has been triggered, that our brain makes things very like life or death, right? Because in a situation where like if our house is on fire, we need that stress response to ramp up and to do that because that's really productive. It's like every decision we make, no time to waste. Everything has to be, if I go this way, life, if I go this way, death, like it, it our options have to be. Mm-hmm. And, and we look at our home tasks or, or that leaky faucet in the bathroom. We, we tend to view it the same way, like life and death, right? Like, ah, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. like, yeah, but we don't have the budget to do a kitchen reno. Okay. But what's something within your budget that you can modify? So you alleviate that emotional stress. There's a lot of gray area um, in our homes that we can tackle, but again, we feel like it's either either or. Yeah. And there yeah. can be a lot of ands, you know, mm. and also's that we can introduce into our our family conversation or our conversations with our partner about how our home functions for us. And I think this is kind of maybe where our work bridges because a lot of times if we address that stress response that has been ramped up and hasn't turned off, right, like um, like it's supposed to in a, in a sort of functioning situation, you know, where it functions mm-hmm. best for us, then if we get support in addressing that sort of like, you know, persistent stress that we are feeling under, then it turns down the dial and it then, then our, our sort of – our vision kind of expands where it's no longer just all or nothing, life or death. We begin to have act more access to creative problem solving and all the different options in front of us, right? And so I think that's where therapy and design can definitely intersect. Thank you so much, Anita, for coming on. This has been amazing. I could talk to you for <laughs> hours. But Me I, too. It's been fun. I, I want to honor your time and um, thank you again so much for coming on. Where can folks find you if they want to continue to connect with and learn from you? 
Yes. So I'm on Instagram. Um, My handle is about Anita Yokota. I have a wonderful website that has um, so many information and tidbits for you as well on anitayokota.com. And you can find some of my pins on Pinterest too. So those are three wonderful ways to access my information and myself. Beautiful. I'll be sure to include links in the show notes for the listener to go directly there. Again, Anita, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.